Hello and welcome. I'm Jonathan Beale, and this is the ASB Investment Podcast, a show that keeps you up to date on the market and helps you make smart choices with your investments. Now that the New Zealand election is done and dusted, Chris Wilson and Chris Tenner-Brown join me to talk about why we didn't see much of a reaction in the markets. Should we expect the same from the US elections? We also talk about what investors are doing, are they taking on more risk, and what's up with the housing market. These are entirely our own views. It's not investment advice, but we know plenty of experts at ASB that will be happy to chat if you need. Well, welcome back to the booth. I'm... I don't know about you, Chris Tennant-Brown, but I'm very excited that we're back in the booth on um, Franklin Road. Good to be back. Yeah, amazing, isn't it? Six six months since we uh, were all in the um, in, in the booth. We've been doing it over telephones and internet connections from home and all that sort of stuff, and here we are. It certainly sounds a bit crisper, hopefully. That's great. And to celebrate, we've got another Chris, Chris... Wilson, number two, in the booth as well. You've been here before, Chris. I have been here before, but no, it is very nice to be back as well. And so, um, you know, it'd be good to share some insights today and, and hear what's going on in the market. Exactly. And I understand you've got a big day on Sunday. You're doing something that um, not a lot of people do, some people do, but you're. What, tell us about what you're doing on Sunday. I'm actually, I'm going to run the ASB Auckland Marathon on wow. Sunday, which will be uh, very exciting. So hope, hoping to survive, I think, is the, uh, the aim for the day. Uh, do you have a... Apart from surviving, do you have another goal? Do you want to win it or break a certain time or what's the... My daughter is, uh, she's pretty sure that I'll go well and I, I may go close to winning. Obviously with COVID <laughs> and, and the lack of internationals coming into the field this yeah, year, yeah. I think that should help. Exactly. Um, you know, I think there's at least uh, probably 500, maybe 1,000 people ahead of me. But <laughs> apart from those guys, I think I'll go okay Good this on year. You. Good so, on you. And no, Chris, are you doing it as... No, I'm not going to do it. Okay. <laughs> I, uh, I I probably haven't run any further than trying to catch the bus in the last couple of years. I'm a, I'm more of a, a cyclist than a than oh, yeah, a runner. Right. And yeah. Uh, yeah. but good on you, Chris. And um, just to fill you in, I think last time you were on the podcast, we were talking about um, Trump and yeah. low interest rates and, so and nothing's you know, changed then. Yeah. So <laughs> so over the year or so since you've been here, that's pretty much all we've been talking about. Pick things up from where we left. And Chris, you've uh, been doing a bit more flying, and you've uh, is it you've passed your test or something? What's happened in the last few weeks since yeah, you've Slowly ticking off the boxes for yeah. my commercial pilot's license. I passed the big cross country exam, which is one of the two big flights you have to do to be a commercial pilot, and I'm. Studying aviation law and aviation medicine and doing exams and wow. that sort of stuff. So this doesn't mean I'm going to quit being an economist and suddenly start flying people around in New Zealand, but hopefully it means that I can maybe teach someone how to fly one day. Fantastic. Are there many economists who fly? Well, actually, the um, the Reserve Bank governor um, was a was a pilot uh, in Australia. Glenn really? Stevens, yeah, and wow. he uh, he was a he was a very keen pilot. So there's one economist that's was a better economist than me and a and a more qualified pilot. Surely but, not uh, a better economist than you. But no. uh, I think you recall I recall you saying one time there's an economist in New Plymouth lives at the airport. Is that correct? Ah, uh, well, there's Bernard uh, um, Hickey lives yeah. at the uh, airport. Uh, so, um, but does he fly or he just sorry, not the Bernard airport? Hickey, Jim Hickey, Jim, Jim. Uh, <laughs> oh, economist sorry. Weatherman. You know, easy to get them mixed up. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So, uh, no, that's uh, that would probably be a dream of mine to live at the airport. And actually, one thing I saw, like we can talk about property later on, because the pro- property market's heating up. Um, it's hot. The Wellington Control Towers for sale, the old one, not the new one that's at the airport, but the old one up on the hill. I thought that would be oh, a great be cool. piece of real estate. 
And so you can actually live in the control tower up yep. on the hill. Uh, you've got a prime view all over the uh, the airfield, which I think would be fantastic. Although I uh, I be, wouldn't be surprised if it got bold and um, you know dozens of apartments yeah. built on the site. That seems to be the the thing that's going on in property these days is um, is slicing up big sections and turning them into. Um, you know, townhouses I de- or apartments. I, I definitely think that, Chris, because you meet a lot of customers, and every time I've been to a customer seminar or meeting with you, they just they never ask me any questions. They always want to talk to you rather than rather than me. But I just think we should do a, like a giveaway, like get to fly with, spend a day with Chris Tennant Brown, learning about markets, and then you could fly them somewhere. That would be like a we could we could. We could raffle that off, and I think we'd get a lot of people buying some tickets. Yeah, well, if they didn't want to come flying, they could just come <laughs> and help me put portraits in the Spitfire in the garage. That's projects taking a long, long time. All right, so let's hey, let's we could talk about flying and marathon running for forever, but let's maybe talk about there's so much going on at the moment, and um, uh, let's just pick on a couple of. The, we obviously want to get to Trump and U.S. elections, but we have had an election here in New Zealand, um, and probably kind of the outcome we thought we. would get, but mm. uh, how have markets reacted and how has that sort of landed uh, in your world, Chris? Well, the the, the first thing is um, the, the result was broadly along the lines that people expected. Um, it's a, a first time we've had a government that pretty much on election night we go, you're going to be able to govern alone. You're not going to have to do any trading with the other parties to get a result or, um, you know, even if there's been like the previous election where you go, well, we could have a, a centre-left or a centre-right government the way that the numbers stacked up. So this was a pretty easy one that on election night we'd go, well, we're, we're, it's going to be Labour um, and they don't need anyone else. So there's no need to compromise um, any of their major policies. And, uh, and, and tax is probably the big one that people think about. But I actually thought that uh, Labour was pretty clear in their view on tax um, in the run into the election, and of course we had the big review of tax a couple of years ago, and it got really put it put aside. So we weren't looking at this as something that, beyond the uncertainty of a few weeks while your former government was going to be a major game changer for for New Zealand, uh, which which is um, not the same for um, for the US. So um, yeah, not much reaction, not much surprise. But that's an understandable result. And I think the other thing in New Zealand, when we look at the extremes offshore, and we're, we're a pretty centralist country here. You know, Labour wants to put in a higher top tax rate, but it's still lower than the top tax rate in Australia. So you could hardly call it aggressive. Yeah. Um, and um, so the policies are sort of more fine-tuning of a fairly central way of doing things. And um, and so we typically don't change our forecasts too much around an election or our expectations of how markets will go here in New Zealand. And the previous election where we thought, hey, we could get a different tax sort of set up under this, or the one before that when we talked about a different monetary policy system, those are the things we think, oh, this could change the outlook a little bit. But this election... Uh, I don't think that there was anything that would have changed the course of of what New Zealand needed to do over the next year or two, and um, and so I think now that the results behind us, people are are going to get on with it, and um, and 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 they certainly are. If we look at things like the housing market, retail sales, and that sort of stuff, it's um, it feels like the economy's ticking along really, really well. Well, let's just jump into the housing market because it's just bizarre, isn't it, that we were. We were talking about recession, global pandemic, lockdown, 
you know, people getting, you know, government paying out and borrowing billions and billions of dollars. And here we are now with the house prices just going nuts, really, isn't it? It's just, how, how does this, how has this happened? Yeah, it's it's it is amazing. I, when I and when I look at how worried we were back in March, and we thought the economy could be in a really big hole now, and unemployment could be much higher than what it is. And actually, who knows what it is? I, I was amazed in the previous quarter's result when it came in; it was still four percent. But of course, the answer to why um, things are going well is is the sheer volume of support. Um, the, the amount of money that the government's putting into the economy to to support businesses and to support um, people that put money into strategic uh, strategically placed money in um, tourism operations, um, the wage support, and all that sort of thing. So the big the big test for whoever gets in or um, or whoever won the election is always going to be what next? How do we manage through this transition from? the huge amount of money we spend to the economy getting into whatever the new normal for the future is and, and how does the government manage things like opening up the, the borders. So, um, yeah, that's still the bit that we've got to do. Um, but it's quite good in my view that um, whether it was a national government or a Labour government, you've got a, a party with a, with a clear, um, clear majority and a, and a mandate to get on yeah. with it. Yeah, the market really does need that confidence post a, post an election. I think they talked it as the COVID election, and you know the support for Labour was indicative. I think of how well people have responded to what they've done around COVID, wasn't it? Yeah, but, what, but you're looking to buy a house, Chris, and like how? What are you seeing? It must be like it just seems to be going up and up, and people just I don't know if they're people coming back from the UK or overseas to. What's it like on the I'm on the ground floor trying to buy a house at the moment? Yeah, and on the ground, I think the um, the serviceability of mortgages, just with rates where they are, um, is much more attractive. And so we're seeing a lot of first home buyers uh, come into the market because you know they can afford and, and compared to rent with rates around um, you know two and a half percent at the major banks. And I think uh, one of the banks went down to one point nine nine recently. Yeah, your ability to service a mortgage and with the expectations around rates staying low is is much better. And so you're seeing a lot more demand. And um, yeah, it does does make it tough. And obviously, uh, you know, you see a lot of media around. How, how strong the housing market is, um, which then pushes up on vendor expectations as well. So, yeah, you still do see some properties and, and see properties pass in, but that's because the vendors have got a really high expectation on price, which, you know, they probably then meet a month or two later anyway. So, it, you know, it does make sense in some ways. I do worry that it's going gonna, it's gonna to blow at some point. Surely it has to, doesn't it? Oh, yeah, the, the thing I never like is when um, the economic momentum's getting... Um, Picked up by just people borrowing more money and and mm. buying houses, it's it's businesses going well that I that I want to see. And of course, these low interest rates are helpful for for businesses too. Um, but it's it's a, in some ways for me, it feels like a bit of a sugar rush when you're just going, hey, well, the housing market's really busy and consumption's picking up off the off off the back of it. But um, when people are confident in their jobs and and people have got more confident in their in their jobs over the past six months and confident that, or more confident that the economy is going to go okay, um, they then become more confident about taking on debt 
and and you know upscaling the house or or, or whatever it has to be or first home buyers like Chris mentions the confidence in the labour market's a key part of that combine that with interest rates that are much lower than what we expected to see at the start of the year um, and it's quite a quite a game changer I mean it's it was only back in February that uh, the Reserve Bank met. They had the official cash rate at one percent. Um, mortgages were well north of three percent. And even though we knew COVID nineteen was starting to play out in, in in China, the Reserve Bank was comfortable being on hold. And we thought maybe that's it. Maybe that's the trough for interest rates. And here we are. And and within our forecasts, we're we're thinking okay, we could well see t- sub two percent. Interest rates over the over the over the coming months and year, um, at a, at a time when the when the unemployment rate is um, is is not too high. Um, now, with all this um, flamboyant talk about how well things are going, it's worth remembering that the economy is still ticking along at ninety five percent. We've still got a lot of businesses in the hospitality sector that are doing it really tough. Anything around the CBD that relies on a lot of foot traffic from tourism, um, the tourism hotspots are still um, really, really um, suffering. And Kiwis are doing their bit by travelling like they always do, but there's still some parts of the economy that are really doing it tough. But there's other areas that are going incredibly well now, and and so it's a really unusual mix. And what what are you seeing like in retail sales? I was in um, Commercial Bay on Monday, just wandering around, and there was just a handful of people. Those shops were designed really for uh, the cruise ships coming in, and you know, like there's not. It's just I just wonder is is retail sales picking up or is it is it struggling? And the answer the answer is it depends. And everyone loves when an economist says <laughs> it depends. But but I think that the the commercial bay and the CBD is a good example where we're missing tourists. Yeah, and. Um, Auckland picks up a lot of domestic travel as well, um, and it's but it's for things like coming up for rugby games, for concerts, and all of that sort of stuff that hasn't been able to happen over the last few months. It's the cruise ships that would normally be arriving right now, you know, dropping dropping off five thousand people to come and shop in Auckland for yeah. twenty four hours. You know, that's that's the hole in the market, and the and the and the. Um, and the cities really, really feel that. The other thing which is happening in the cities, uh, and and we we see this at ASB, is even though we've come back to alert level one, people are slowly coming back to work. Um, but speaking for myself, I've developed um, quite a good routine of getting all of my meetings done at home. So that's a day at week that I don't come in. Getting and, up late. <laughs> yeah, getting up late, <laughs> walking around in the pajamas <laughs> until nine o'clock, doing the first couple of meetings. But um, all of that stuff has an impact, and and so um, so so some of your people that pick up from that, you know, supermarket sales are, have have gone well. Um, some of the little local shops around my area are really benefiting from more people in the uh, in the neighbourhood. Um, but on the on the flip side of it, people's eating habits, the hospitality sector, um, hotels are suffering from the from from the lack of people coming through, and and that's going to be an issue for a while. I mean, basically, um, until we can open up the borders, that's that's going to be a real challenge. It's just purely the fact that we're not getting, you know, three to four million people coming yeah. to, to visit and, and, and hang out for a weekend or, or a month, what, whatever it happens to be. And, and how reliant is that domestic tourism and, and that growth on, you know, the wealth effect of housing going well and people feeling confident about things? Yeah, I think th- th- there's, there's a couple of aspects of that. Firstly, 
Um, if people aren't confident about their income, they they put the wallet away, right? Um, and that's been the thing which has happened over the past six months is, is some people have, have clearly um, suffered and, and lost their jobs, um, but uh, the majority of people um, have still kept the, kept their jobs and that's why the um, unemployment rate or the flip side of it is the employment rate uh, haven't changed a, a great a great deal. And there's still more to play out on that story. But there's a lot of pent-up demand in the economy because we've been stuck at home. We haven't been able to have overseas trips. We haven't been able to get out. And people have just spent a lot less than what they normally would do. And and so we've, we've seen it. When things like um, Queenstown's opened up, there's been a lot of domestic travel down to, to, to go skiing over the skiing season. Um, things like uh, car sales have gone incredibly well. Um, people have had a bit more uh, money to spend that they haven't been able to spend elsewhere, either because they've been locked up at home for those months or not been able to travel. You know, in our household's case, um, both of my partner and I's parents live overseas and so we'd normally travel to see them. And um, so we're all doing something different with um, with our expenditure. So, oh, so, so these things think, all flow yeah. into the mix. I also think it's a little bit of like, it's been pretty tough, isn't it? And people like going, I'm just going to go and spend some money now. Like I don't actually think they, it's not just, oh, I'm going to try and support the economy. Actually, it's been a bit tough. I'm going to treat myself. And I know we're doing that type of stuff now. We're just probably buying stuff that, you know, we probably would have thought a little bit more about. We thought, oh you know, what the heck, you know, might yeah. as well. Oh, and you're seeing it, and, and with the housing as well, I think the, that other big driver is people have spent a lot of time at home, and so they now know, you know, what is it about the house they didn't like? So you, I think builders are busy at the moment looking at, you know, do you put an extra room on? Do you, you know, do something in the kitchen? Because people have got the disposable cash because they're not going overseas to travel, and they realise they need to do something at home. There was that really strange advert on the radio, I don't know if you heard it, about um, lockdown, I've decided that my partner is not the partner for me and there's all this sort of divorce lawyers like, popping up on it's like yeah, I've realised that lockdown is not the person I want to be with like it's there's, everyone's looking for an opportunity isn't it it's, yeah. just quite, it's quite incredible well I, I'm, a, I'm a, an example of that turning out quite well because my partner and I is a flight attendant so uh, and and she uh, she lost her job in the um, in the in the lockdown and so uh, this is the first time in our uh, in our 13 years or so that we've gone out that we've been under the same roof every single night and wow. I haven't been able to travel either so I'm, I'm pleased to say we've survived it so uh, it's going it's going, going well. well it's going yeah, well you don't yeah. need to phone 0800 divorce no and, uh, no no, no. I, I need I need some help with the diet because sitting at home <laughs> eating and, and, and talking with each other I don't know why she hasn't changed weight but I certainly have exactly now talking of uh, overweight people uh, Trump the um the U.S. election is um, it's upon us, like very, very shortly. And like the New Zealand election happens, markets don't really move. But I think people sometimes they get a bit worried about U.S. election, global economy. Actually, the result of this election could mean for all of us around around the world. So, where are you? Where are we at at the moment? Because is it going to be a Trump or is it going to be a Biden? Where do, where are you landing at the moment? Well, the the the, the polls, uh, just like they suggested Trump wouldn't win last time, are, are saying the same thing this time. Um, but I think you'd be a braver person than me to uh, to to call it a done deal. And I think that uh, it's very likely that we won't know the outcome for quite a while. This election's a bit different. Um, usually in the states, like like here, over the night following the polls closing, it's pretty clear what's going to happen. And, and a president-elect 
is declared quite quickly. There's examples where that hasn't happened, like the Gore versus Bush, Bush was an yeah. example. That went right until December, until um, uh, Gore conceded. And so, um, and you do see more volatility in markets at, at that sort of time. Markets don't like that type of uncertainty. And there's there's a there's a potential for a for a good month or so of uncertainty. I wouldn't be surprised if it's if it's a close outcome, and the whoever the loser is looks to contest the contest the result. So um, this is the sort of stuff where we do expect a bit of volatility. Uh, to a certain extent, you just have to focus on the long term through it. Yep. There will be an outcome, and there's there's quite a structured process for what they need to go through, who would govern if it's disputed and that sort of thing. Probably the big issue at the moment, and markets of US markets come, it's about 5% off its peak running into the election. Uh, but I don't think that's, we've known for a long time that this is going to be a confrontational time, and it's, and um there's only going to be one winner and, and one loser. But it does get in the way of, of some important things that they need to do, like get another uh, stimulus uh, plan out there and, and make a plan for the economy whilst their, uh, their COVID cases are on the, on the pickup again. So um, this is where we're in a pretty good position here in New Zealand where, uh, from a health perspective, I think we've, we've done incredibly well. And the, the nuances we're debating are around taxation and, and, and growth strategies and that sort of stuff. Whereas in America, their political process can grind to a halt at times like, like this. And, and we've seen that over the last couple of weeks with them failing to agree um, across all the politicians to, on, a, on, the, on the next round of, um, of support. So that could uh, drag on and, um, for a while. And, and really, that's been a feature of the four years with, with, uh, with Trump. I recall the government shut down and we had a, the run into Christmas where uh, you know, they were shut down for, for weeks on end and that caused uncertainty in markets. And eventually what happens is the problem gets solved one way or another and markets get on with it. So there's no strategy where you go, oh, let's just jump out and stand on the sidelines while this carries on. Because markets could recoup that full 5% within a day if we get a clear-cut outcome, or they could be quite jittery for a, um, for a month um, if, it, if it's like the, um, the Gore versus Bush scenario. But Trump's been, like, good for share markets. You could, like, if you look at the last four years, he'll, he'll say it's all down to him, but share markets have been, Trump, I've done this. On the flip side, does that mean that Biden's going to be bad for share markets? Is it going to be we're going to tax people more, Corporations are going to make less money. There's going to is is that reality or is that just sort of spin that we get fed? I, I think I think there's a lot of spin. I mean, we had it here, right? There was a there was a lot of scaremongering about, oh, you know, the the Greens have got this policy, and you, we're going yeah. to see wealth taxes and all that sort of stuff. You've got to have points of points of difference. But you know, I, I, I'm a bit more of a historian. I think well, actually, we can look at the the last. 30 years in American politics, and you can't say that the share market goes better under one party than yeah. the than than the other. Um, but um, but that and and you can read stuff that supports Trump, which is based around low corporate tax rates, um, cutting red tape, all that that sort of stuff. Um, you can read stuff that supports. Hey, we'll get quite a lot of confidence if Biden wins because we'll probably get more global cooperation. Yeah. Um, that's better for global trade. Yada yada yada. Um, so there's a positive spin on either candidate winning, 
Um, the uncertainty's the bit while you go one way or another that I think will will get markets a bit jittery. But um, just like we saw in COVID-19, there's, I just don't think there's an investment strategy just because you know markets are coming up for a yeah. period of uncertainty. Because as quick as they can go down a few percent, they can bounce back up just as quick once you get clarity around it. And it's not like we get an email saying, okay, the election's sorted out, time to um, invest again. So it's just one of those uncertain times that um, I've got used to and, and, and investors on the whole get used to. It comes around every uh, four years. Exactly. And the last thing I wanted to touch on is, I don't, don't really want to touch on COVID because I think we've talked to COVID quite a bit, but I do want to touch on this sort of uh, low interest rate environment property market going up and there's sort of people still need to achieve what they want to achieve. So there's been a lot of talk about I'm probably going to have to take a little bit more risk to achieve um, what I want to to achieve. Like, Chris, have you got a view on like, is is that the reality of it? Do I need, because interest is low, do I need to start taking more risk or what What are you hearing out there in the advisor world? Yes, <clears throat> certainly we are seeing, um, you know, people coming back to us as, as rates have declined and, you know, as term deposit rates have become lower, people are rolling off uh, longer term term deposits that they've had. So they are seeing a, a noticeable decrease in income um, that they were receiving elsewhere, which has led them to consider, you know, what are the other options and what do they need to do, which, you know, in a low rate environment may well mean um, moving up the risk curve um, to, to source some further income. You know, one of the things we're really uh, focused on, though, is making sure that's the right decision. Um, you know, we have an, a, a lot of clients who are in term deposits, and they're in term deposits for, for a really good reason. Um, just because the rates are lower doesn't mean it's the right yeah. thing for them to invest into something else. Um, but certainly we want to have that conversation because, you know, it may well be the right thing for people to do. And, and I think it's an eyes wide open thing. If you understand the risks, you understand, you know, the decisions you're making and you're clear on why you're doing the things you're doing, then, yeah, absolutely, it's a decision you might want to make. I mean, where we re- get really nervous is... Um, you know, a bit like your uh, divorce lawyer advertising during COVID. You know, we're starting to see a lot more advertisements in the paper uh, promising, you know, yeah. low risk, high return products, and and we've seen that in the past, and it it just doesn't end well. You know, we people don't truly understand the risk they're taking, and it may be illiquidity. Uh, you know, it may be you know kind of very fat tail end risk around the the likely return of capital of a product. Um, yeah, we just want to make sure people really understand the risk they're taking to get any additional return um, and making sure they're making the right decision for, for their goals and their needs. Yeah, that's really good advice. And I suppose the same, you're, you're speaking about interest rates and even negative interest rates, Chris, and that seems like a reality now, doesn't it? Yeah, well, within, um, within the New Zealand bond market now, we're seeing government bonds out to five years have traded with a negative yield, which just seems amazing. And people think, well, who would buy a bond with a negative yield where you get less money back in five years? Well, the simple answer is the Reserve Bank will. Um, you know, they're buying a significant chunk of the bonds that are out there in the market. So that that's a feature now and something that's going to be part of the, the landscape. And the the only the only offset to this, and, and you know, when I'm chatting to people and they say, what should I do, is you have to have a really decent think about the time frame that you've got to invest because the strategies that make money, which often involve more exposure to growth assets like like shares, are not for the, oh, here's a thing for one year or for two years. They're 10-year sort of strategies. So um, for people that have got that sort of time frame, I think it's really good. The people I really um, 
uh, feel for at the moment is people that that can't afford to take those risks, you know, people that are they're well into retirement and 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 are really in that income space. We saw that in our investor confidence survey that just came out this this week was the um, the the older groups were were way less confident mm. about the outlook and 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 pretty negative on the outlook, and I think that is the thoughts about. Um, bond yields being so low, this talk about negative official cash rate, term deposits now 1% or, or lower. It's really tough on people yeah. looking to get a really conservative uh, strategy um, because it's the conservative bonds and conservative term deposits that are getting impacted by these low rates. And we, we really are seeing that. We're starting to um, you know, run the, the wealth seminars that we've uh, had in the past and I'm sure we've talked about on the podcast. And... Um, you know, we're seeing a lot of people come in with questions around negative rates, um, but really the the fundamental question is, you know, what should I do with my money yeah. um, and, and how do we help people, um, you know, in, in periods of uncertainty and, you know, with their long-term plans. So, yeah, and that's just being escalated as, as rates have come down. I think you're dead right. I think what you said, Chris, was really relevant around, like, you don't need to do anything different apart from maybe have a conversation with someone and actually sit down and find out what, and you're really good at this, Chris talking about now what's your plan what are you trying to achieve what's the term you've got because one of the things we learned through COVID was people reacted and you can understand why they did but actually the people who did nothing actually came out really well through that whole 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 situation so it is that sort of you know have a plan focus on it and and stick to it uh it seems to be it sounds really boring but actually works every every single time but um that's economist prudent but boring. Exactly. <laughs> okay, I'm going to finish with two quick questions. So we're going to we've got a um, an election coming up, and we've got COVID. So just quick fire question to see if you can actually. Um, we're going to go Trump or Biden. Who's going to win, Chris Tennant Brown? I, I'm pretty much hoping that Biden wins. So I've just got less to write about over the next couple of uh, couple of years. Okay. Chris Wilson? I think, I think Biden gets there, but it's going to be very tight okay. as well. Yeah. So you're both on the fence. Okay. Um, vaccine by Christmas? No, I don't think it's going to happen. No, that's, okay. that's all election talk, I it's think. It's all election talk. Okay, guys, thank you for coming into the booth. It's been great to be back, and thank you for having the, both having the same name. It's been a lot easier <laughs> to just say Chris and just look at you. So uh, thanks for that. And uh, we'll look forward to finding out what happens in the election very shortly. Thanks I, a lot. Thanks for having us. Thanks, John. Thanks for joining us today on the ASB Investment Podcast. If you have any thoughts on today's episode, or if there's anything you'd like us to discuss on future shows, please fire your suggestions through to podcasts at asb.co.nz. Listener.